When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Nermina's mind floats. She thinks of nothing. Tears continue to slide down her cheeks. She warms her hands, dirt-packed under jagged nails inside her slipper. She doesn't want to remember. She doesn't want to think or feel, but she feels the warmth of the injured man next to her and realizes that the bandage wrapped around his thigh is soaked with blood and that this is the source of the warmth. The man, a boy really, she thinks, has begun to whimper. Thank you, she says quietly, bowing her head as though in prayer. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today I'm speaking with Dina Greenberg, author of Nermina's Chance, a novel inspired by the author's work leading creative writing workshops for combat veterans. Nermina is a young medical student in Sarajevo when the Bosnian War breaks out. This was a war characterized by bitter fighting, ethnic cleansing, systematic mass rape, and indiscriminate shelling of cities. Nermina survives, but her life will never be the same. Her father gives her money to bribe her way out, and she manages to get to the United States. There, she makes life choices based on the horror she endured, but neglects to consider everything that might happen as a result. Hi, Dina. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galit. It's a pleasure. So according to your website, Nermina's Chance began as a short story. What made you decide to keep going and make it into a full novel? Well, I found that the themes that I wanted to explore could not be confined in a short story. And at the time that I first presented it to my writing workshop, I had a a lot of agreement with my my workshop mates who said there was just too much happening and I knew that I needed to explore further and broaden the story. Mm. Why are Nermina and the rest of her family so surprised by the assault on the city? Were there no warnings, no signs about what was going to happen in Sarajevo? Well, I think that what was happening in Sarajevo is very similar to what was happening in previous wars. I think that there is a certain amount of fear and denial that keeps people from understanding exactly what's going on and what keeps them, uh, in a sense, um, you know, perhaps burying their heads in the sand and um you know just not able to 
be rational about what is taking place. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this throughout the book that you mentioned. um, No, here it is. I was wondering the whole time, have those who suffered the way Nermina did received any compensation or governmental response for everything that they lost during the war? I was wondering about Nermina and it wasn't mentioned. So I do not believe that there has been any kind of compensation uh, as there has been um, with victims of the Holocaust during World War II. So far as I understand, um, there were homes who, you know, there were many people who had to leave their homes. They were displaced at the outset of the war and they fled to places like, um, like Germany. And during the time that they were displaced, um, there were soldiers living in their home. And I have some firsthand accounts uh, from women that I've interviewed who were young children during the war, and they describe situations of um, coming back to their homes and not only, um, you know, not necessarily having access to the properties, um, but even when they were able to come back, they were ostracized because they were considered people who had left, people who had run from the war rather than, um, and I'll put this in in kind of an air quote, um, rather than people who had stayed and fought. So, um, you know, no, there were not reparations. And um, I don't know if that's something that will happen in the future, but so far as I understand, that did not take place. Mm-hmm. Nermina is a secular uh, woman from a, secu- from a secular Muslim family, college educated. How did you decide to tell the story from somebody like Nermina? Well, that is actually a very interesting question. And I feel that my model for Nermina, for my protagonist, is pivotal um, to the way the narrative unfolded. So back when I began working on this book and doing what I would consider library research and some internet research, um, this was probably around 2000, I was very fortunate in reaching out and finding a woman who had been a young Bosnian journalist at the time that the siege on Sarajevo began. She was a TV journalist um, with CNN TV One in Sarajevo. Her name is Zrinka Brallo. She is now the CEO of a nonprofit organization based in London um, that's called uh, Migrants Organize. But at that time, when I reached out to her, she was extremely generous in sharing with me details of exactly her experience, literally being trapped inside a television studio in Sarajevo, having to be part of a rotation of her colleagues who would have to 
dodge sniper bullets um, when they would, you know, go out into the street and forage for clean water and, and for food. So she was able to give me details that I certainly could have found um, with, with research, but hearing it from someone and speaking to someone at the time we were doing Skype, there wasn't, there wasn't Zoom or anything like that. Um, But being able to watch someone's facial expression and have her deliver these details, um, you know, in with so much veracity, that was that was the, the the linchpin for my really being able to come up with this character. And um, please stop me if you if you need to. Um, but what I what I found was that she was describing a family that was relatively secular. Yes, they were Muslim, but. Um, you know, both of her parents were professionals. And in the novel, both of Nermina's parents are doctors. And that was important for me because I wanted Nermina to also want to follow in their footsteps and be a physician. Yeah. Uh, Nermina finds herself helping a young orphan. Correct. Um, when she leaves. And as planned, she leaves him with a family member. Why does she continue to feel through the years as if she abandoned the child? I think that that's something that, um, that any person, man or woman, might grapple with. One of the things that happens during armed conflict, during war, is that many children are are left orphaned um this little boy uh he his his aunt um delivers him to the hospital uh where nermina's father is is kind of um heading up a skeleton crew of of um physicians and nursing staff who are are taking on all of the casualties of the war and this little boy is literally wandering uh in front of the hospital when Nermina arrives and she takes him under her wing although initially she's not even sure that she's able to do that because she's so single-minded in her search for her own family. She feels guilt because even though she delivers him to Rome, um, where he is, it will be in the care of a family member. This is something that, um, that kind of haunts her. And again, another, another pivotal point of the novel um, and of 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 the plot of the novel is that she's she's so broken she has she has lost everything and she needs to replace the family that she has lost and so whether she's being rational or not she decides that she's going to have a child and she honestly doesn't care how that takes place. She just wants that child. 
Once she makes it to America, Raifa and her husband become the closest thing to family that she has. Can you say more about them? Yeah, I think that those characters, while they're secondary characters, I think that they also represent the the story of of immigration um, and and refugee status in this country. So this was the 1990s, and certainly there were people who were welcoming. Um, to 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 migrant populations and uh Raifa and Samir are people who found their way they they came through um with the help of the US government they were able to find jobs certainly not the jobs that they left in Bosnia but they they came through and they were able to raise their children and they were able to have um you know a, a decent way of life and Nermina is is uh you know she's she's on her own so i think that um you know, while Rafa and Samir are secondary characters, they're certainly important in Nermina's life. And I needed them um, to kind of help Nermina establish herself and to help her find her way. I don't honestly believe in my heart of hearts. Um, I don't know what she would have done had she not had these people to hang on to. Mm. Yes, they were like that. They were her chosen family. Absolutely. So as you said, she was desperate to rebuild. Do you think her reasons for wanting a child justify how she went about getting one? <laughs> that's a question. That's a question that, that comes up quite a bit. And I will say that prior to publication, it was a question that was constantly discussed in in workshop and i believe that it's it's really an outcome i believe that when i researched the sort of trauma that a young woman would experience um being raped uh losing her family not having the the typical type of support system and trust that a a healthy uh, emotionally healthy young woman would have in in seeking out a relationship. My feeling and in the way that I have come to know Nermina as a character is that she was unable to connect in a loving relationship and, and, uh, you know, go out on dates and have a kind of a normal, um, dating relationship to it, to the extent where she would be, you know, married and, and happily ever after. she never saw herself that way, but what she did see herself as was, was a mother and, I don't know. I don't know honestly at this point is she was she justified? Probably not because she certainly wasn't fair to Carl, the young man who 
becomes um, her, Atika's father. Atika is 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 her daughter, and um, no, it's not necessarily fair, but there there are lots of things in life that aren't fair. So, I personally I don't hold that against Nermina. Can you say a little something about Carl? I can say tons about Carl <laughs> because Carl was actually created as a character before Nermina. Carl existed. Carl walked the pages of of oh. some of my short stories and he is a really um he's he's a character that I I cannot ever abandon because he's he's a very complex character. He um I, I know a bit about the family that he grew up in um, because in some ways it was similar to mine. He, um, he, he had a very difficult upbringing. He is very intelligent and yet um, kind of a, you know, bull in a china shop type of, of person. He speaks his mind and, um, I think that it had taken him, has taken him, because by the end of the novel, we know that um, he wants to be a good father. He wants to take on this responsibility. But I'm never 100% sure that he's capable of it. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I love him as a character because I think that in literature, at least in the books that, that I'm drawn to, I'm much more intrigued by a complex character than I am by someone who um, is, is, is one way or the other. Carl is, Carl is just, he's, he's many different things. Yeah. So as Atika grows, she realizes that something's wrong with her mother because Nermina sometimes cries and is unable to take care of anyone but herself. Is she doing everything she needs to do in order to grapple with her PTSD? Is Nermina doing everything? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, one of the important aspects of the novel for me was to be very true to life in in what someone would grapple with with PTSD. And I think that um, it, I'm very clear on the point that Nermina does seek counseling. She, she doesn't necessarily do so because she wants to. She does so because she has to, because this is a condition of the um, of the help that she receives from um, from the U.S. government, and she has a caseworker like um, like many people do um, who come to this country, and she begrudgingly goes to see her therapist, and uh, she eventually realizes that that this is also a lifesaver, and. Um, I think this is one of the reasons, and this is certainly one of the motifs of the book. I believe that this is one of the reasons why she decides not only to put herself through nursing school, but to become an advanced practice 
nurse practitioner who specializes in behavioral health care. So, um, you know, this certainly fits the motif of, of wounded healer, because there are many people who become therapists who have been through just horrendous experiences. And one of the things that they do is to hopefully heal themselves first, and then use what they have have experienced to put that to work and try to help others. Mm. You mentioned on your website that, like Nermina, you have worked with traumatized combat veterans. How do you help them tell their their own stories? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Uh, so I think that my my initial interest, and I, I will state, I will I will admit this, I am just a, a ridiculous research geek. I, I love I love to once I find a topic that's meaningful to me, I I feel compelled to do a, a great deal of research. So, um, most of my reading initially was around trauma related to to combat and what i found though over the years is that there's there's certainly overlap and intersection of of types of trauma there's a moral element to someone who has been in a combat zone just as there's a moral element to someone uh, who hasn't been fighting, but who has escaped a war zone, who has um, become a refugee, who has come to a place of safety. And the moral dilemma is, why have I survived and those other people haven't? So for me, that's, that's, the, that's the intersection. And what I can do as a as a writer and as a teacher of creative writing is i can do something that's really simple but very profound i can listen and i can hold that person's story sacred and i'll say probably at least 15 years ago i attended a working conference for um primarily for military chaplains because their role becomes one that is is you know very very strongly related to um, providing behavioral health care. And one of the exercises that I observed was having combat veterans stand among uh, you know a group of people who would be people like me uh, observing and other people who would be like military chaplains and um, civilian psychologists and they were asked to tell their story and from that initial observation at that workshop I saw the power of allowing someone a safe space in which to tell that story and know that someone is holding it and and someone is cherishing it. And in some ways, taking some of that weight away from the person who has suffered. So Mm. while it sounds simplistic, 
it's it's really extremely profound. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, Dina, ultimately, it seemed like Nermina gets more than just one chance in her life. Can you say more about that? Weigh in. Sure. <laughs> I think she has. I think she has numerous chances. Um, first of all, she she has the chance to. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm air quoting, um, make right. She has the opportunity to make a situation right with both Carl, who she has deceived, and with Atika, who she has deceived for 16 years. She has never come clean until the point where she, she has to come clean and she has to tell her daughter that she was conceived in, in the usual way and not by in vitro. And she has to be honest with Carl and explain to him that she's lied to him. She also has the chance to come to grips with her own failings and to forgive herself um, for those deceptions and to forgive herself in a way for, you know, carrying this survivor's guilt that she's had for so many years. And then I believe, you know, from a professional perspective, she started out going to medical school uh, while she was in Bosnia. And she ends up going to nursing school, which was not something that she necessarily wanted to do. But ultimately, she ends up in a profession that is completely ideal for her personality, and it's, it's, it's just perfect. So I think that she, again, by the end of the novel, not only has the opportunity to be honest with her daughter, be honest with, with Carl, who was the father of this child, she may even have the chance to find love in in a marital relationship, although we leave that open. Maybe your next book. <laughs> I don't maybe know. The, maybe the next book. So tell me, what are you working on next? So I actually have a couple of projects in the works, and one of them is, is a little bit off the beaten path um, in terms of the Bosnia story but it is connected. So one of the things that I was researching was what Sarajevo and what Bosnia is like today and what it feels like to live in a place that has essentially been been mandated to have a tripartite presidency. So there are, you know, there are three different ethnic groups represented in the presidency. So there's, um, there's Croat, there's Serbian, and there's Bosnian. And one of the, I guess, happy discoveries and for me is that there is still a very small but substantial and very strong Jewish population in Bosnia. And I found out that this Jewish population was very active 
during the war in the 1990s, and also very active very recently during COVID. And I have, again, sort of fell down the rabbit hole of research and have started to make some inquiries. And I believe that I've got the makings of another book that will highlight, I don't know whether it will be fiction, I don't know whether it will be nonfiction, but I do know that the focus will be on this Bosnian population in Sarajevo. Sounds fascinating. I hope you'll keep me posted. Absolutely. And, And thank you for joining me. Thank you, Galit. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking with Dina Greenberg, author of Nermina's Chance. May you always be immersed in a juicy novel. Happy reading, everyone. Thank you.